In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have heard a few months ago about the beginning of the liturgical year. Recently, we have heard about the Christmas liturgical season. We hear now about the liturgical cycle and the Lenten season. We are familiar with the liturgical reforms over the centuries, and we might be familiar with the liturgical movement of the 1960s and the reform of the reform of the liturgy expressed in a recent document by Pope Benedict XVI. But do we actually understand what the word liturgy means? Is it in our mind the touchy subject, the forbidden word, cause of many divisions and misconceptions? Has the word liturgy lost its proper significance lately and become a stumbling block? As we have entered into the most beautiful and richest liturgical season of the year, with Easter as its submit, let us redefine with the tradition of the Church what the word liturgy means, means what the liturgy aims at for us as Christians. The liturgy can be defined as the public social, official worship given by the Church of God, or the whole complex of means with which the Church uses, especially in the Missal, Ritual, and Breviary, and by which she expresses her religion to the adorable Trinity, as well as instruct and sanctifies souls. So, twofold definition. First, the liturgy in relation to God Himself, and second, the liturgy in relation to men. Pius X, in a public text to pastors, encouraged them to pay a particular attention to the decorum of the house of God in which the august mysteries of religion are celebrated and where the Christian people assemble to receive the grace of the sacraments, to assist at the holy sacrifice of the altar. So liturgy means divine worship in the interest of the people or the divine worship of the church and consequently a public service which is done for and by the community and different from any other private prayer said by an individual. This has for grave consequences that when public worship is being tainted with a too personal or individualistic character without the pursuit of the common good in view, the liturgy ipso facto loses parts of its essential properties and can no longer be properly called a liturgia. Nothing should have place, therefore, in the temple, understand the church, calculated to disturb or even merely to diminish the piety and devotion of the faithful, continues Pope Pius X. Nothing that may give reasonable cause for disgust or scandal. Nothing, above all, which directly offends the decorum and sanctity of the sacred functions and is thus unworthy of the house of prayer and of the majesty of God. And I refer you to St. Paul. Be not deceived, he says. God is not to be mocked. And also the book of Jeremiah. Cursed is the one who does the work of the Lord negligently. 
Needless to say that our dispositions when celebrating the liturgy either as the priest himself or the liturgy of the faithful, neither, needless to say that our disposition must reflect some of that same glory that belong to God, God alone and that we want to partake in too. Praise is not simile in the mouth of a sinner, says the Ecclesiasticus. So as we know, if, we are, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. This is why then the liturgy as our Christian public form of worship is of the highest importance for whoever wishes to understand the evils our society is suffering from, since its power, power of the liturgy, to appease God's anger and justice against the injustice of men, and its power to sanctify men and to pay his debt back to God for his iniquities, will depend greatly on the dispositions with which man presents his offering to God. And subsequently, my whole moral life cannot but be affected by the liturgy. Practically speaking, Sunday Mass, for example, Sunday Mass must become that focal point to which all my actions of the week should converge. It must become the center of attention. And ultimately, the reception of the Holy Eucharist with attention devotion and dignity must reflect that reality. Otherwise, and again Pope Pius X was clear, it is vain to hope that the blessing of heaven will descend abundantly upon us when our homage to the Most High, instead of ascending in the order of sweetness, like the incense we offer at Mass, puts into the hands of the Lord the scourges wherewith of old the Divine Redeemer drove the unworthy profaners from the temple. So my liturgical life, Mass, the public ceremonies I attend, the devotions offered publicly by the communion of faithful in accordance with the liturgical books and with the approval of the proper authorities, this whole liturgical life helps me to be permanently supernatural in all my actions. And as a spiritual author reminds us of the importance of mental prayer or meditation along with that liturgical life, when he writes, mental prayer and the liturgical life are two sisters who help each other. Mental prayer before Mass or any liturgical action puts me in a supernatural atmosphere. The liturgical life makes it possible to transmit the fruits of my mental prayer to all the actions of the day. Maybe an encouragement here to dedicate more time to mental prayer or what we call meditation or even spiritual reading, if you wish, during this Lenten season. There cannot be any dichotomy in my life. And if you're not familiar with the word dichotomy, 
It simply means the splitting of a whole into exactly two non-overlapping parts. So no separation. There can be no separation between, on the one hand, our liturgical life, especially offered here in a very special way at the shrine, with the Mass as it submit, and my moral life and social life in general, on the other hand. But both perfect each other. And Pius XII now says, Indeed, though we, are, though we are sorely grieved to note, on the one hand, that there are places where the spirit, understanding or practice of the sacred liturgy is defective, or all but inexistent. And I add, this has appeared to be even more obvious to all in these times of pandemic, where authorities, civil and ecclesiastical authorities, have removed the very sacred right of one duty and obligation to render God to God in a public manner what is due to His divine majesty and glory, restricting, if not forbidding, the only actions which would ultimately be the remedy necessary for men when all other hopes seem to have vanished. But one, of course, needs to have faith in order to understand that. So the Pope continues, They interlard their plans and hopes for a revival of the sacred liturgy with principles which compromise this holiest of causes in theory or practice, and sometimes even taint it with errors touching Catholic faith. As we continue our pilgrimage to Golgotha, and soon we'll enter into that most sacred season, liturgical season, let us make a special effort in following with more attention, devotion, and dignity the sacred liturgies of the season. Let us fix our attention on these holy texts, best catechism for one who wants to know more about our Lord and His sacred mysteries. Haste kills devotion, says St. Francis de Sales. So first our attention, now our devotion. Let us therefore make it a point to reject any pretext for getting through the recitation of our prayers, of our rosary, in a hurry or in a too mechanical way. As, we had, as if we had to check the box more than out of true love for God. And finally, let us be always more worthy of being partakers of the most sublime mysteries offered to us at church. And this implies a respectful position and bearing while in the church or while participating in any public worship. So once again, attention, devotion, and dignity. And with these three spiritual pillars in mind, attention, devotion, and dignity, let us be certain that this liturgical season will be a successful one. And I will simply conclude with the post-communion of the Mass of the day. O Almighty God, grant, we humbly beseech you, that those whom you refresh with your sacrament may also worthily serve you in a way that is well-pleasing to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.